passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham. From uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Not live, not on YouTube today. I am actually up in the drizzly Pacific Northwest, David. After spent, okay, but first up, after spending like five days in Vegas. Okay, two days in Vegas. Mm. And now I'm up here in Portland. Mm. I, worked, I covered USC basketball. I covered USC women's basketball in Las Vegas, David. Yeah, it's amazing the excuses that you will use to go to Las Vegas. It is tremendous. I agree. Uh, Well, yeah, if there's an excuse to go, I'll go. Shotgun's like, yeah. hey, there's two USC basketball games in Vegas. I'm like, I'm, I'm there the yeah, day after, you know, covering the Washington game. So I get it. I just want people to understand that the reason we are not recording our, our beautiful podcast in studio has everything to do with that fellow and not me. Stop sending your blame and hate to me. Okay. Don't do it. Dave's actually doing all the work today, Ugh. which he's been bitching about like that. He has to edit it. He has to, you know, which is I mean, cool. It's, I do this every week or twice a week, so he can do it, you know, once a month. It's okay. I don't know why you keep sharing these lies with all the people. All right. <laughs> I am shouldering the load every single week, and everyone knows it. And the only person I think who's still not clued in is you. And it's sad, frankly. It's sad? Yeah. It's all on these shoulders, baby. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, well, anyway, it's going to be a fun show. Uh, can't play any sounds but we do get we have a great voicemail so david's gonna have to edit it in from uh the zodiac killer which is great uh and we're gonna preview all of the where are we week 11 week yes. 11 games mm-hmm. we're already at week 11 what happened um 
yeah, we'll preview the games, make our picks. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for the show, we got a lot of emails that came in, David. Uh, Packedfulpodcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. We got three voicemails. Um, I think, well, it depends if David wants to you know, edit them in, but we'll probably play one of them because it's, you know, it's really good. We can kind of summarize the other two. Uh, tweet at Podcast or X, whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's always great when you go over to your uh, podcasting app, Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star rating and some kind of funny review. We've been getting a bunch of great ones. I don't know if we got any new ones, David. Not a single one. Um, the the haters are out in force. They're not. Uh, and, and the haters, the true haters are the ones who don't even post a review. They're the ones who don't even deign to give us some heavy insults with a five-star review. No, the haters are absent. Uh, that is the true hatred. The hatred is um, uh, apathy. That is true hatred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is. Um, let everyone know if you are still alive in the survivor pool, go make your picks. Uh, Dave and I are both dead. Um, you can finish. in many ways. Yeah, we're we're out. Um, so make make sure you go pick uh, make all your picks there. Um, yeah, and I think any other uh, newsy stuff. Oh, I I was at so I was at T-Mobile, so mm. it had that feel of the Pac-12, um, you know, championship. What we've been to, or the you know Pac-12 tournament we've been to uh, a couple times, and uh, you know, four Pac-12 teams came in and won. So the uh, Colorado women upset the defending national champions LSU, um, Oregon. Uh, took down Georgia, not in football, but in basketball. So, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, USC beat Kansas State, the men, and then the USC women uh, took down. Are, are you giving a, a – are you reading box scores of basketball games Not on reading our show? box scores. I was there. I saw these. Uh, I didn't see all of them, but uh, USC women beat – You're giving seven, us eyewitness accounts of basketball? Yeah, number seven, Ohio State. But while we were there, guess who was sitting courtside? Who? George Klyavkov, he was there. Well, it is his home. I was like, he lives there. Uh, no media, nothing. Um, but that was interesting to kind of see him there. How's uh, he doing? I, he looked in good spirits. Uh, looked like someone that was looking for a job, maybe. Um, yeah, but the Pac-12 did go undefeated in, in that little, not tournament, but just a little uh, showcase. So, uh but no Pac-2 teams were there. They're all teams that are leaving. So I don't know how happy he was to see all of those teams win since they've all left his conference. Yeah. Or are in the process of leaving. But okay. he was there. It's the first time I've seen him for quite a while. So, Well, very exciting. Yeah. Uh, that was good. She you want to just um, get right into our picks? I would love to, Ryan. Okay. Do you want to dilly-dally or are you like, um, are you like in a hurry? Uh, knowing that you have to do all the work afterwards. Yeah. Uh, you can't just walk out of the studio, like grab a donut that I brought you and then just, you know, wipe your hands of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dun, 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 pack 12 roundup. Cool. Do you want me to like speak close to the microphone and far away? And so it's harder for you to edit. Do you want me to do that? Yeah, I would. That'd be nice. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that part. That's just on you, buddy. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Um, well, I guess you're, you're going to just do them all because 
I don't have any soundboard, but uh, we have a we have a morning game on Saturday, eleven a.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Number twenty-one, Arizona Wildcats, Rawr! at the Colorado Buffaloes. That's a pretty good I, Buffalo one. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. Uh, Colorado is a ten and a half point home dog uh, against the Wildcats. Um, Colorado switched offensive coordinators last week. I would say it was generally a failure. Uh, Arizona beat the piss out of UCLA. Um, I think they played a, a really great game. It is a little bit of a letdown spot. Uh, Arizona um, has played three straight, uh, maybe four straight ranked games, or at least ranked at the time they played. Uh, it's been a bit of a gauntlet. Um, it does feel like a spot where Arizona could let down some. However, I'm just not sure Colorado's equipped. I don't know if they have um, the scheme necessarily anymore, and I don't know if uh, – if defensively they can hold up for an entire game against what is a very good and balanced offense. So uh, give me Arizona on the road in Buffalo country. Again, this is a tough spot for me because Arizona has been amazing at covering the spread. Um, But Colorado plays to cover the spread, like literally tries to cover the spread. So, this one's a tough one. Um, I think Colorado can keep it close. It's at Colorado. They've been in close games. They just lose them. And they, they're they really good at the backdoor cover if they are down. You know, if they're down 17 in this one, like almost guaranteed they're going to score a late touchdown and lose by 10. Uh, and then they're covering. So I'm going to take the buffs here. Yeah, that was a pretty dumb move, I think, trying to, you know, switch your, you know, of all, all accounts, you had a really good offensive coordinator. Um, trying to make a move there to some NFL guy. Like, I don't know. This doesn't seem to uh, to work. But this is just a Colorado team that they drive to late in the game, chew a lot of clock and cover the spread. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the buffs here over the the now ranked Arizona Wildcats. What has Colorado done in recent weeks? Uh, they have. Let's see. Uh, so they. Covered against Oregon State. They covered against UCLA. Didn't cover against Stanford. Didn't cover against ASU. Covered against USC. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of iffy. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll see. I think Arizona's really good. No, I think Arizona is really good. Um, but it could be a little... I mean, they played ranked team after ranked team after ranked team. Going on the road. Colorado just seems to like keep it close, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, they kept it close against Stanford. <laughs> that is true. Just lost to him. Well, actually, so Arizona played five straight ranked teams. So it was Washington at USC, Washington State when they were still ranked, Oregon State, and then UCLA. Yeah. So this is a definite left down position, uh, and they've got Utah the next week at home. So you could see them uh, potentially lacking some focus. Do you have a dog there, David? I've got so many dogs here, Ryan. On top of everything, I'm dog-sitting, uh, along with having my children at home, because it's Veterans Day. But, no, thank you for asking. But having a dog, you know, dogs and kids, can't you just put out some bowls of food and let them, they'll just be okay? Yeah, sure. Like yeah, okay. sure. Thank you. Appreciate nice. that. I'm just, if, you know, if you want some. No, I, I, I thank you for the advice. <laughs> it's good, good advice. All right. So you guys want to Yeah, we got a. Uh, 12.30 p.m. 
Mm-hmm. On Big Fox. Number 18, Utah. This is the big one. Uh, at number five, Washington. Uh, let's see if the dogs will bark on cue. They won't. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Um, Washington is currently a nine-point home favorite. Yeah, This is a really tough one for me. Um, because... So Utah's obviously got some 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 issues offensively, but they did figure out a lot of them last week against ASU, who they uh, beat the ever-loving shit out of. Yeah. However, the last time they played an elite team was Oregon, and they lost by twenty nine at home. Yeah. Um, they've gone on the road uh, three times this year. Wow, they've only gone on the road three times at Baylor. They won by seven. At Oregon State, they lost by 14, but that was kind of peak offensive issues. They sort of figured some stuff out after that, and then they beat USC on the road. Is Washington more similar to USC or more similar to Oregon is the question. And I kind of tend towards more similar to USC. Uh, Now, that's not to say I think Utah's going to win the game, but I could see them playing an absurdly close one. Um, They've got... I mean, a, a truly elite defense. I think they're going to put pressure on Phoenix. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, nine points. Um, I could see Washington just winning this by a touchdown. So yeah, give me Utah. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, this is tough, but you have, this is sort of like the the old rule of don't look at what happened last week. Look at what happened two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago was the curb stomping by the the uh, Ducks at home. Mm-hmm. This is the team that beat the Ducks on the road. Mm. Uh, I'm going to take UW here. I'm going mm. dogs. Mm-hmm. Get your dogs to bark a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, and I know you got your shirt. You got the pig farmer shirt, which looked great. That's my pig farmer. That's your pig farmer. Um, you also have... Uh, a big Penix Energy shirt, if I'm not it's mistaken. True. It's true. It's in the closet. So could you wear them both? I'm not sure which one you're going to I wear. might do one of those. Um, remember Brady Quinn's sister at the uh, Ohio State-Notre Dame game where she wore the jersey uh, for both guys, Brady Quinn and A.J. Hawk, um, where it was like split down the middle? Uh-huh. Maybe I'd do something like that for the game. Hmm. So could you cut them in half? Yeah, I cut them in half and then sew them together. I like that. You uh, like that? But then you're going to lose, like, your shirt's, like, gone. Yeah, your yeah, shirt's... but it's all for, um, you know, it's all for that clout, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, Are well, you typing something important right now? Yes, into good. the notes. Good. Uh, so, yeah, that's good. Great. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to disagree. Okay, we're disagreeing. Uh, at 1 p.m. on ESPN2, Washington State going on the road at California. This game opened, or, so Washington State Cougars, meow, at the California Bears. Uh, this game opened as an even game, but it has since moved in favor of Cal. Cal is a one and a half point favorite. I'm trying to think of the point spread you could give me where I would take Washington State, and I think it's Cal by 10. I think that's the only point where I would take Wazoo. 
Uh, I think Wazoo is in full collapse. Uh, they just lost at home to Stanford, of all things. Um, Wait, Stanford still has a team? Yeah. Who oh. knew, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, Washington State has turned into asshole in the last five weeks. I don't see them arresting their slide into the depths of the cavernous asshole that they have found themselves in. And with that, uh, yeah, taking Cal, no question about it. Cal's going to win this game by, like, 14. Yeah. The problem is I've been sucky at picking Cal, um, except when they played USC. I had them covering. But, like, I always have faith in the Cal offense. And then when I do, they suck. Yeah. Um, and, like, in a big spot. The good thing is this isn't a big spot. No. This is a team in absolute free fall. So, yeah, give me them sturdier Golden Bears. Much more sturdy than those Cougs. Um, score some points. All you got to do is win the game, essentially. I think they'll be able to do that. Yeah, like and by, by the way, we are, we are no questions asked taking a team that has lost four straight games, including last week, by 44 points. Just so everyone percent. knows. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they're they're a team that's lost that scored points at home. They've been a different story at home. So they are they lost by four to Auburn. They beat Idaho. They beat Arizona State. They lost by twelve to Oregon State, and they lost by one to USC. And we all remember that game. So uh, been a much better team at home, and this is at home. So, I mean, Washington State scored seven at home. So yeah, Wazoo's bad, bad. George Thoroughgood bad. Exactly. All right. At 2.30 on the Pac-12 network. Stanford at number 12, Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State is a 20 and a half point favorite. Um, So this is another one where uh, you could be convinced about Stanford being like some version of quality because what they just did on the road at Washington state, what they did at home against Washington, what they did a few weeks ago against Colorado on the road, uh, beat them by three, uh, hung tough with Washington, uh, beat Wazoo on the road in between that though, they got smashed, absolutely smashed by UCLA at home, uh, 42 to seven, um, in a game that frankly wasn't that close. Before that, they got blown out by Oregon. Um, now, look, the Washington game is a little bit funky. That was at Stanford, just that should be noted. Uh, but on the road, this team has been big old butthole, um, except for, again, last week. I was going to say. Remember but Washington State, State, as we determined, is butthole. I'm, I'm more going back to USC. Uh, they lost 56 to 10. Um I don't know, man. I think Oregon State's really good. Um, I think uh, they've been, uh, as we've noted over the years, uh, a much better home team than they are on the road, and that is held true this year. Uh, they are 4-0 and at home. They beat Utah by 14. They beat UCLA by 12. They beat San Diego State by 17, and they beat UC Davis by 48. Uh, it's been on the road where they've had more issues. Um I think they're going to smoke Stanford. Uh, so give me Oregon State. I think they cover the 20 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I want to go against you, but I want to. I, th- I got to I got to agree here. Um, I feel like this is going to be a Stanford team that did their thing last week and, and got that road win. But going back up there again against a much more 
sound team that can, I think, run all over Stanford, um, DJU, play action pass, be effective, get some touchdowns, get a rushing touchdown. I just feel like Stanford's going to like do a few things, but it's just a lot. You got to win by three touchdowns, you know? Um, but I feel like Oregon State can do it in this one. It's just, yeah, I, I think it would be a higher spread if Stanford didn't get the win last week, but that was against a team that was putting up zero resistance. So yeah. I want to agree with you on this one and, and take the beeves. All right. Next up at 6 p.m. also on the Pac-12 network. So, gosh, two just just thrilling contests back-to-back. Back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Three thrilling contests back-to-back-to-back to back to back on the Pac-12 network on Saturday. What lucky people we are. Arizona State Sun Devils uh, at the UCLA Bruins. Uh, UCLA is a 17-point home favorite. Uh, Ryan, do you want to know who's starting at quarterback for UCLA on Saturday? I would love to know. I don't know. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Ethan Garbers tried to practice this week. He looked... um, he was moving like a 77-year-old man. Uh, Dante Moore practiced. We couldn't see inside his brain, inside of his skull, to see how that looks. Uh, he hit his head really hard against uh, Arizona last weekend. Um, my guess is that Colin Schley is going to start this game. And if you've been paying attention to Colin Schley, uh this year, a really good runner. Really good runner. He's got an arm like Jake Browning, right? Uh, he has thrown. <laughs> he has thrown thirteen passes this year. He's completed three of them uh, for a total of twenty-two yards. And in those thirteen passes, how many interceptions would you say he has thrown? <laughs> I'll tell you, two. So he has three completions and two interceptions this year. Yeah, uh, his adjusted net yards per attempt is negative five point two. That is almost impossible. Uh, he's you're better you know, off taking a knee, you know. Yeah, small sample <laughs> size, but he is. Uh, uh, it's it's been one of the worst passing performances I've ever seen when he's in the game. Uh, he can run the ball though, so if they play him, they should probably go to some option attack. But naturally, what Chip Kelly will more than likely do is instead throw the ball like eight times in a row. Uh, Dante Moore may also be available. Um, we've we've talked about him to death. He's also not been good this year. So uh, I think UCLA is going to struggle to score 17 points, let alone win by 17. Uh, Arizona State, uh, they just got their butts handed to them on the road at Utah. There was kind of cascading errors in that game. They had a lot of issues protecting quarterbacks against uh, the Utah defensive front. That should be no different against UCLA. Uh, their offensive line will have massive, massive issues against Leatu Latu and the Murphy Twins. Um, so I think it's going to be a struggle fest for ASU to score. Similar to UCLA, their quarterback situation is a nightmare coming in. Trenton Borgay, last report is that he's going to try to start. Uh, I think his ankle is held together by like chewing gum and bailing wire at this point. Uh, so I don't. I, if I think the first hit is going to send him out of the game. And then, honestly, what I would do if I was um, Dillingham is I would probably just run Scatabo out of the Wildcat the entire game and do something akin to what UCLA would do with Schley. Just try to keep it on the ground, run some option football, and try to put together some long drives that play keep away um, and see if you can get three scoring drives and get a great defensive effort. 
I think that's the only avenue for Arizona State to win this game. Maybe it happens, but I think it's going to be a very, 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 very ugly game. So I'm going to take ASU in those points because it just doesn't feel like a game where UCLA is going to score all that much. Um, just because I'm behind, I was willing to go opposite you on this one. Uh, and I'm still only two and six this year picking right. UCLA against the spread. Yeah, you're pretty bad at it. You got it last week with Arizona. Um, for sure. That's that's the side I wanted, but I don't really feel as strongly here. Obviously, it's going to depend on what's going to happen with the quarterback situation to cover 17 points. is a lot. You could see this be a running game and Chip just wins it by eight or something and just walks away. Um, but ASU looks so bad. It just It's sort yeah. of like they were so bad. But where's your two weeks and, ago theory now, Ryan? What happened two weeks ago? They did uh, two weeks ago they where were they yeah Two weeks they go they beat washington state at home they beat washington state at home for sure um but washington state's god awful three weeks ago they almost beat washington on the road yeah they've fallen off yeah i, I had faith in them last week and they did not deliver we both did um they got absolutely pummeled uh i don't know if they're bouncing back from that one so give me ucla colin schley Throws for 320, four <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> oh, boy. He's going to boost that average. Yeah, that'll boost negative, it for sure. Negative five yards per attempt. That's pretty good. All right. Well, we disagree on that one. So we disagree on three so far. Yeah. You're well, I got to catch up. Comeback. I got to catch right. up. Yeah. All right. Here will be the big one. Uh, 7.30 p.m. also on Big Fox. Uh, this is USC unranked. USC. Uh, that's the Trojans. At the number six, Oregon Ducks. Quack, 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 quack. Uh, Oregon, as of this moment, is a 15 and a half point home favorite. Can we use 15? Because that's the one you told me earlier. That's what I did my picks with with no. my staff. No. All right. I already picked it like this. So? Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, if you really want to, I am. it might go back down to 15. Who knows? No um, all right, so Oregon, um, so Oregon is uh, an elite team. Uh, I think everyone uh, using the eye test or the advanced stats test will tell you they're probably the best team in the Pac-12, despite uh, the result on the field at Washington a few weeks back. Um, they've been, you you know, there's that post game win expectancy stat uh, that I like to cite a lot. They've only had two games where they weren't a hundred percent to win the game at the end of the game with the underlying stats. And that was at Texas Tech, where they were a mere 72%, and at Washington, where they were 22%. In every other game, they have exhibited a level of dominance that is uh, pretty stunning. Uh, they beat Hawaii, Colorado, Stanford, like the way you think you could if everything breaks right, and they beat them all in a row like that. And then Washington State at Utah and Cal – pretty much the same thing. They beat them all the way you would ideally love to if everything broke right. Uh, they're playing at a really, really exceptional level. The wild card here is USC. So USC is in the post-Alex Grinch era now. Um, there, you know, there was talk that they were going to try to simplify things defensively. Um, talk to me about this, Ryan. Is there a chance USC comes out there and actually plays better defense? I think there is. I think... I think the 
there's two options here. Like USC wins a close game or Oregon just blows them out. Like, I don't think it's, if it's close, I think USC can win. Like, I mean, but the, I think more likely thing is just Oregon blows them out. What, if you watch the USC defense, you see like, well, the players look pretty good, but they're looking at wristbands. If the team they're going against goes in motion and nobody knows what to do. If you just said, okay, well, you guys are good enough. Just line up and start playing defense. You probably have a little bit more effective impact on the game than what they've been doing, which is, you know, 5.2 yards per drive uh, against Washington. So I think that can improve. I don't know how much it can improve. Like, I mean, you're not like changing a whole lot of stuff uh, in the week, but you could change some sort of low hanging fruit. You know, if, uh, if you're a CEO of a company or the manager, your athletic director, whatever it is, when someone gets fired, then new person comes in, there's usually some like obvious shit that was wrong that that person had tunnel vision, didn't see it. And the new person can kind of fix. And, you know, everyone's like, yay, you know, cause that was something everyone else knew needed to be changed. And it wasn't I, for whatever reason, Alex Grinch was not changing the fact that the guys were always confused of what to do. It's like, no, this is the way we're going to do things, even though you're not lining up and doing things correctly. So I think there's a chance that they definitely look significantly better on defense, but I think there's a bigger chance that just Oregon blows them out. So I'm taking Oregon, just when, FYI. But when was the last time USC covered? September. I think it was like week three. Was it the 23rd against ASU? Or no, that wouldn't have been it. That was no. It was uh, Stanford. I think Stanford. Oh man, they haven't covered yeah, for a long I, time. I, I'll tell. I'll, I'll just give everyone my thinking. I'm tempted um because 15 and a half is a lot for a team that's really only lost by that one time and it was like that absurd notre dame game where the offense just played horribly like there were turnovers they just looked like asshole uh but utah and washington i mean they scored on them uh and utah and washington have arguably well utah definitely does have a better defense than oregon and washington's right there with them uh and usc still scored um I'm struggling with this one. I think I'm taking USC. All right. We'll go against. So I think they lose, but I think they lose by like two touchdowns. So 15 and a half is a little too much for me. Okay. Um, so I, for me, like I was bad, like you at picking, like I had picked Stanford to cover and USC blew them out. And then I was starting to picking, I picked USC to cover every week and they weren't. And I was, I ended up being one and six picking USC against the spread. In the last three weeks, I've got it all right just picking USC's opponent. So I'm not going to change that until I need to. So I'm going to continue to pick whoever USC's playing. Like I said, they haven't covered a spread since September. So, uh, yeah, give me give me the Ducks. I think the most likely scenario is they, they blow them out. Um, but I could see, you know, USC can score. So you always have a chance because you have Caleb Williams and you can score. Um they're probably going to get Marshawn Lloyd back for this one, but they ran the ball well against Washington either way. Um, it's just how good can the defense be? Because Oregon's offense is very balanced. It's not even, you know, a one-dimensional Washington team that passes the ball ran all over USC. So, you know, this is a more balanced Oregon attack. You, you'd think on paper it would be a harder offense to stop even than like Michael Penix and Washington just because they can do multiple things. And, it, and USC's shown propensity to give up, you know, 
a lot of yards in an area that's not really a team's area of expertise. But Oregon does everything well. So, yeah, I think this is going to be um, an interesting watch to see, like, how different it is. There's probably going to be different starters, different guys playing. Um, you know, Eric Gentry hasn't played as much as I thought he should because he always makes plays when he's in there. And Lincoln Riley had said that he was a little rusty. And then Gentry tweeted this week about hey, there was no rust. So there was definitely some dissension going on there. And I think which guys were playing as part of it. So how much of a refresh do you get by getting rid of uh, Alex Grinch? All right, we'll see on Saturday. But until USC shows that they can actually hang with a good team, uh, I'm going to take Oregon. All right. Well, those are our picks. We disagreed on four games this week. Nice. Four. I'll, I'll be down one after this. Uh, no, you'd be ahead. Oh, I'd be ahead, yeah. Yeah, you're only down by three right now, I think, right? I think so. Um, yeah. Nice. Wait, no, no. Is that right? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, you'd we'll, be down we'll by five. Yeah, yeah. You're down by five right now. Sorry, I was looking at <laughs> last week. Um, okay. All right, so that is our uh, those are our picks. Are we? Do we do the break thing now? Yeah, um, let's do the uh, let's take a break. And thanks for all the super chats. Uh, we appreciate it. Oh wait, <laughs> we're not at live. So, <laughs> all right, well we're taking a break. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, we're back. That hurt. Um, 
yeah. So now we're going to get to some questions. We want to lead with a voicemail from uh, the Zodiac Killer, which I'm going to somehow insert after the fact. So enjoy this right now. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Sith Lord Dave. That's right. It's me. This is resident Stanford fan. Well, well, well. If Troy Taylor and the boys didn't notch another Herculean testicular effort up in Pullman, it's true, the Bruins might have given the blueprint for how to defend the Kooks, but it was Bobby April's outstanding, young, learning, growing Stanford defense that held him to 7.7. You know what the score last year was of the Washington State-Stanford game? You could look it up, or you could just believe 55 to 14 in Palo Alto. So will we take it? Oh, yes, we'll take it. Are there signs of life? Oh, yeah, there's signs of life. Uh, and uh, I would ask a question, but I also have the responsibility of talking about the 2024 ACC football schedule as it relates to the diaspora. Welcome back to the diaspora. So uh, of note is that both Cal and Stanford essentially have the same schedule. They both miss the Virginia schools. No Duke, no UVA, no Dave Matthews band songs, right? Satellite in my eyes. Not next year. There will be no satellites in our eyes. Uh, highlights of the schedule include uh, Cal, Mr. Jones, and me staring at the fairy tales, and we stare at Ryan Abraham. He's looking at you. No, I think Dave's beard's looking at me. Uh, the cows, the dirty, the dirty golden bears host the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Miami vibe would be like, <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Mario Cristobal returning to the Pac-12 footprint. And uh, Stanford, of course, traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to play Clemson. I only want to be with you. All 13 of us will pack up and make that trip for one reason and one reason only, to see with the Stanford band. How many people are they able to uh, enrage in Republican footprint country? How deep will it go? Will they even make it to the airport? Will there be blood? <laughs> oh, yes. There will be blood. Keep it mediocre, boys. Another killer call from the Zodiac Killer. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. He does that on purpose in the beginning, right, where he says it's, you know, he's I about to so. say the Zodiac Killer, but instead of saying the Zodiac Killer, he says the resident Stanford fan. Right. Uh, I think that's got to be intentional. Um, Maybe for legal purposes, he's not allowed. <laughs> for legal reasons, he does that. <laughs> uh, yes, we appreciate uh, the, the the musical cues for all of the different uh, ACC uh, schools, and uh, I look forward to his uh, his correspondent reports, reports for the next season. Yeah. Um... He's got a, a, a lovely voice, a lovely singing voice. He really does. He's a he's an artiste. Yeah, I bet you uh, he, he kills it at like the, uh, you know, prison um, Christmas uh, parade or whatever they do in there. You know, like what like the, Zodiac Killers at large, baby. Oh, is he's not he's not in jail anymore. I don't think. Was? Did they ever find the Zodiac Killer? I thought they didn't. <sighs> well, we we know where he is. Yeah, we know <laughs> where he is. He's up in he's up in Palo Alto. <laughs> um. 
All right, so that was that. Uh, do we want to get to some of these other questions? Yeah, let's see. I think the first one, this is uh, Heinrich in Helsinki. So we sent a picture uh, of, this is when Lincoln Riley was hired, Rick Caruso um, and uh, Carol Folt, and Lincoln Riley and Mike Bone. Um, and then he has comments about it. He says, a lot has happened in the two years since this happy picture was taken. USC board chairman Rick Caruso has resigned, run for mayor, and then he lost. The criminal doctor whose scandal brought in the new president uh, has died before trial. Uh, there was actually a bunch of settlements. People got paid. That was the... Where's uh, this email? I don't even see it. Uh, it's fr- it says, yeah, another statement, not a question. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the new coach's staff and program blew up in his face and the honeymoon is over. The athletic department has been fired in a cloud of HR bumblings. Uh, the athletic director, excuse me. The Pac-12 conference has crumbled. The Heisman Trophy quarterback was left crying in the stands with his parents. The whiz kid who put the whole deal together has split for the Detroit, for D- Detroit of all places. Uh, and that was his email. Hel- uh, Heinrich and Helsinki. Very exciting. Yeah. All right, this is from uh, Paul. It's complicated. Yeah, it's got some graphics. The road to Las Vegas. Brian and the other guy. With so many games being played amongst the top teams in the Pac-12 during the next few weeks, I'm curious what the path looks like for teams to get to the conference title game. Here's a high-level summary of how the tiebreakers work. Head-to-head matchups. Wins against the next highest common opponent, only for the two-way tie. And then three wins against all common opponents. If it's a three-plus team team tie, it's the common opponents for all tied schools. Some questions. Amongst the two lost teams, Arizona has the easiest remaining schedule. Similar to last year, can the Stars align again to get the Utes back in? Notice that Utah's opponents have the highest winning percentage, which is how they got in last year. See the highlighted cell. Uh, Three, at this point, do you consider Washington a shoe-in? Here's a summary of conference losses and games to be played. All right, so Washington is 6-0, and and they have Utah at home at Oregon State, Washington State. So I'm saying at most they're ending up with one loss. Yeah, like you could lose to the Beavs. Yeah. But you're so, not losing the Apple Cup. Overwhelming favorite, I would say, to enter uh, that with uh, – to to become a, a – a, I would say it's it, the major thing is I would think this is a uh, – the overwhelming odds are in favor of Washington Oregon rematch. Right. I would think so. Yeah. Cause I, cause I think a lot of like, if you're Arizona, Utah, I think you kind of need USC to beat Oregon this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Utah, I believe needs Oregon to, to lose. Well, um, every, every one of these teams needs either two losses for Washington or another loss for Oregon. Yeah. Which, um, the Washington seems unlikely. So, yeah, Washington, it's hard to see them losing twice. Oregon, I mean, an aggregate, sure. Uh, they've got to play USC and Oregon State, but both at home. Uh, and at, at ASU, I mean, <laughs> many a Pacific Northwest team has had some issues in the desert. Um, but, okay, so it's hard to see. But, yeah, I think once you get down to that point, um, of these two lost teams, uh Arizona certainly does have the easiest road. They still get Colorado and the ASU, but both do come on the road. Um, Oregon State has a disaster of an end. They've got to play Stanford, but then Washington and at Oregon. Utah has to play at Washington and at Arizona, which is not going to be easy. Uh, 
uh, and USC has to play at Oregon and UCLA, which is not going to be easy. So, yeah, I, I would say overwhelmingly likely it's Washington and Oregon to me. Yeah, um, and of, of the percentage, like the opponent win percentage, Utah has the best. Arizona has second best, and then USC has the third best. So if that comes down to that. But, like, head, so Arizona's in trouble with USC because they lost that triple overtime game. If they, didn't, if they win that game, they're in the driver's story. seat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some interesting interesting stuff here. But, yeah, the backloaded schedule just makes it like all the results are going to match. Like, this week we'll know a lot more just because there'll be some real results, you know? Yeah, totally. All right. Coaching. Uh, you want to get to the next one? Sure. Coaching hot board. Uh, this is – uh, hey, Ryan and Dave, it's Josh from Denver. I was saddened by the news that USC sacrificed our sweet prince on Saturday, on Sunday. So I thought I'd search for the best candidates to replace him. My first choice is someone associated with a really good defense across town at UCLA. I'm not sure USC can pry away the defensive coordinator, but they have an analyst on staff with tons of experience. <laughs> His name is Clancy Pendergast. I think he should get a real look. If not him, may I suggest a defensive coordinator from South Florida? He held mighty Alabama to only 13 points earlier this year. Surely, USC fans would be happy with that kind of defensive effort. May I suggest Todd Orlando as well. As for Dave, I really enjoyed all your Chip Kelly tweets earlier this week. What you failed to consider is, has Chip really had enough time to get his guys in the program? I still think he needs a couple more years to get this thing on the right track. But seriously, I never understood why you defended the hire for the first few years. You all saw where this was headed. UCLA would have been better off hiring you, David, for one quarter of the price. I mean, that's just obvious. Um, first, very funny. Uh, Clancy Pendergast, uh, I, I still think, should have gotten a look as the head coach. But, uh, yeah, bringing him back as a defensive coordinator feels like a no-brainer. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're probably right. Chip, it, it's not just that you need a full cycle of your guys in the program. You need like two or three full cycles of guys going through their entire careers before you really know whether a head coach is working. Like, I think, I think the new rule of thumb should be 15 years. That's how long a coach should get before you can make any real judgments. Right? Yeah, that, you need a decade and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Minimum. Minimum. I mean, they really need to be able to redshirt. And then, like, learn from other guys who redshirted who also learned from other guys who redshirted. Like, there needs to be, like, generational learning within a program before you can really judge the head coach. Like, because if they can't build a culture where, like, there's oral history handed down from his first class all the way down to his 15th class, then what are you really doing, right? There should be an oral tradition, like the Odyssey, that is handed down uh, from storyteller to storyteller, like, until the first class is more myth than history, until it's more legend than story, uh, really, what are you doing, right? Uh, yeah, those guys from your first class need to be a retired from the NFL. And yeah, then you can tell. Then you can you, judge. Then you can start to make some determinations. But until their NFL career is done, until you've seen what kind of coaches they are at their first jobs in their 40s, I mean, how do you really know what kind of uh, training and development you really got from your head coach? So, frankly, I mean, it might be more like 25 years. Yeah, so we need an extension stat. Yeah, obvious. So that would take yeah. Chip Kelly, if you use the 25-year plan, that would take him through about his 79th birthday. Yeah. So I think that's probably the way to go. Well, that's All great. Right. Thanks, Josh. 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the uh, <laughs> rosy little email. Uh, this is from Chase, coaching red flags. Hi, Ryan and Dave. As a Colorado fan, should I be concerned about the future of the program when Dion makes a move like suddenly demoting his largely respected OC in favor of an old NFL retread who hasn't been in college football in decades? I know Sean Lewis continued to call drop back passes as UCLA's pass rushers eviscerated the Colorado offensive line, but it seems like a pretty questionable move. Also didn't seem to help at all against Oregon State. Thanks, Chase. B.S. It is not lost on me that the last time I sent in a question to you guys, it was about whether I should root for the team to go 0-12 or root for them to beat Cal one week after Carl Durrell was fired to cement his legacy as one of the worst coaching hires of our time. Things are looking up. Yeah, that, that Cal loss. I mean, it needed to be a loss to Cal. 0-12 would have definitely been a fitting end for Carl Durrell. No, whatever. We'll take one eleven. 11 Sean Lewis. Yeah, I don't, this, this is a weird one to me. Because I feel like he's Dion's just a guy that makes bold moves, but sometimes there's like no bold move to be made. You know, like you're dealt 17, and the dealer has a 10, and you really need to win this hand, but you shouldn't hit. But you're trying to do something. You're trying to make something happen. So you hit, hoping to catch a miracle. I don't know. Like that's kind of what this feels like to me. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't understand it. The offense was the one thing that was working. I, I would guess it's some. Uh, it's the reality of his son being the quarterback who keeps getting hit, um, and some frustration. I would guess based on that, um, not a good move. It's just not. Uh, Sean Lewis was the one thing that was working for that entire team, um, yeah. and so. Uh, I think the result isn't going to be pretty. I don't think it was a smart move. Does it derail Dion's entire time there? No. Um, but you don't often hear the like uh, cacophony of people saying that was a horrible move, like you did when this guy when this guy was demoted. Um, I think Sean Lewis is pretty universally respected as a very good offensive mind who's going to have you know big time job job offers this off season. Um, so yeah, I think it's a mistake, um, but. You know, I, I think Dion is best judged after his son stops playing for him. Um, and at that point, maybe you can start to determine things a little bit better. Uh, nepotism always has its problems. Even when your kid is maybe the best player on the team, it always has its problems. And it makes yeah. you unfairly judge and weight things, which is why I'm generally opposed to it. Um, yeah, it, does, it does not lead to uh, uh, honest evaluation. Yeah, that's one of your big pet peeves is nepotism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, broad strokes. It's one of the worst things people do. Like it's, it's, I mean, not like obviously murder and all that kind of stuff, but it's, um, it's one of these accepted things that goes on that is, uh, truly, um, just antisocial behavior. It is, it's gross and disgusting. Uh, and people well, shouldn't do it. Luckily, when uh, we're covering the Big Ten next year, you won't have to deal with that in the Iowa situation. That'll yeah. Thank God. Up. What a palate cleanser. Yeah, and the more and more we talk about it, though, the less and less it seems likely that we're going to do, like, just a Big Ten, right? Like, It'd be that, very hard. I think it would be hard. Yeah, It might be the make, make the most sense, but I think it would be hard to do. Yeah. You know, Rutgers heading to Purdue this weekend. Oh, who do you oh, got, David? Fuck. Yeah. All right. Uh, Charlotte wants an update. Uh, is the podcast Gmail address still being used by that online dating website that you mentioned over the summer? Would love an update. Hopefully that person is doing well. Let me check the spam. I don't think so. 
I tried. I, to like... I had gone in and I had like uh, taken control of the accounts to close them because uh, it was getting it was getting insane in there for a while. Like we were getting nothing but that um, in there. So I think we're good now. I reported spam on a bunch of them, but I don't know. Yeah, they're not even in the spam folder anymore. So I think I think that person moved on from using our email address for it. I think. Nice. nice. But who knows? Who knows? Now that we've said that, maybe they will pop back up. Um, <laughs> whichever case, it's very funny. Um, all right. Moving on to Dave. Big, uh, he says, big IO crumbling. Big 10, I would guess. With Michigan's cheating scandal raising concerns about potential misconduct in other Big Ten teams, the future of the conference seems uncertain. Expansion members are understandably worried about potential sanctions for past issues they had no part in. There's an ongoing discussion about whether it's time for West Coast schools like Washington, USC, UCLA, and Oregon to proactively address this issue. They are exploring the idea of forming their own conference, potentially including local powerhouses such as San Diego State, Stanford, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Fresno State, and UNLV. Such a conference, you'll note, you'll note he did not include Cal. <laughs> <laughs> Such a conference would boast two of the top 10 winningest teams and six top 25 all-time teams. Additionally, attracting classier members from the Big Ten, like Nebraska, who are less likely to be involved in scandals, could help maintain the interest of the East Coast audience. Including some of their rivals in a package deal could be an attractive proposition to entice them into the conference like Colorado and Oklahoma. Finally, with scandals ripping the Midwest apart, there is one more school which is looking to distance itself from the Big Ten and has ties to this new super conference that will have them begging to join. Although adding them may be controversial for some member schools due to religious reasons and past scandals, it would cement us as the number one powerhouse conference with five of the top ten winningest teams by allowing in Notre Dame. We would have dominance in all of the largest super chat markets across the Western and Midwestern regions, including LA, Chicago, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle, Vegas, Texas, Denver, South LA, Portland, and more. This potential move indeed seems like a promising opportunity. However, no official announcement date is available at this time. When should we expect to hear from these schools? Will they wait till sanctions begin to drop or get ahead of it? Uh, nice, Dave. I, I like this super chat. <laughs> Biggest super chat markets. Yes, he, he's he's playing to our uh, interest there. Um, okay, thank you for that one, Dave. Um, do you have any thoughts on it? Do you like? Um, I mean, it would be one? lovely. It would I mean, be lovely. I would love that. But uh, the no ship cow. has sadly sailed. All right, Earl. Uh, I'm sorry, this isn't Earl. Uh, East Texas, Michael. Uh, question for the show. Hey, Wilner and Kinzano, this show has quite the range. One week, there's a public service announcement on the appropriate places to masturbate. Now we are learning about the proper amount of hair to keep on my balls. Amazing. Um, we do our best. We try to help. Uh, why don't schools have an official, quote, only fans type website where fans can donate money towards keeping a coaching staff? For instance, schools like Washington or UCLA, whose head coaches have the potential to be stolen. If 30,000 fans all donated $100 yearly, that would help offset a Mel Tucker slash Jimbo Fisher, Fisher type offer from another school. Instead of Phil Knight funding an entire second-tier sports program, the fans could, quote, ship in to keep chip. Uh, um, 
I mean, they do have those OnlyFans type websites. It's called uh, the Main Athletic Funding, uh, whatever it is, the the Main Athletic Fund. Um, so, like, the OnlyFans type website is basically um, the Wooden Athletic Fund, because that is uh, what they draw on in large part, not only for, uh, in some ways, coach salaries, but also coach buyouts, most important money that you spend uh, as a donor. So they already basically do this. It's just not, you know, a public crowdfunded thing. It's, you know, donations inside the university. Uh, yeah, and I think the collectives are some of that too. It's like a go. Yeah, but that's more for keeping players. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's basically what donations do, guys. Um, so when you are donating to a school, you might think you're donating to a bunch of happy crappy, but what you're donating to is cement and uh, coach salaries and coach buyouts. That's what you're donating to when you donate to an athletic department. Yeah. And collectives actually go to players. So. Yeah. So choose choose wisely. All right. This is from Michael. Who gets in? Suppose Washington and Oregon win their reg- remaining regular season games. Then Oregon wins a close game in the conference championship game. Who gets a bid to the playoffs? Oregon for winning on a neutral field? Washington? What are the chances that the four bids go to some mix of Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, and Texas, leaving out the Pac-12? Keep it average, guys. Michael, there is no chance that a one-loss Pac-12 winner is not in the playoff this year. I mean, okay, yeah, I won't Oregon say no. goes in that situation. Oregon's yeah, going. Th- there's there's almost no chance. Um, so yeah, I would feel pretty good about that. There's a live scenario where both would go, but it requires a lot of other dominoes falling that seem unlikely at this point. But the winner of that is definitely going. Yeah, like they're not getting in over, like, I mean, Alabama's not going to keep them out or whatever. No. Um, Michigan, Ohio State, one of them will be out. Like the winner of the Pac-12, you're not keeping two from the SEC or two from the um, Big Ten to get in ahead of them. So No, no. And Um, there is a... There, there's a live scenario where both would make it, but it requires, um, you know, it requires Georgia beating the hell out of Alabama uh, in the SEC title game. It requires, you know, obviously Michigan or Ohio State uh, will eliminate each other. It requires Florida State taking a loss. Uh, probably requires Texas taking another loss, but it's out there. Like that possibility exists. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is, oh. Oh, another one from Dave. No, you go for it. Okay. This is a shout-out to the Washington defense. Uh, Too many people saying Washington's defense struggled against USC, but they executed the game plan perfectly. Uh, They knew they weren't going to have many sacks on Caleb Williams, but the tape shows how he loves to run to the sideline and use that to his advantage whenever he is pressured. Uh, Inge checked that tape, flipped the script on USC by pressuring Williams on 32 of his 45 dropbacks, he was gassed in the fourth quarter and couldn't make a big play when it was needed. The effort by Washington's DTs was incredible. They never stopped chasing Caleb all the way to the sideline, even when they knew they wouldn't catch him. They believed in their brothers to rotate in while USC has only one quarterback. No one looks at snap counts, but Washington had two freshman defensive linemen playing for the first time at USC and rotated in 20 guys on the line. Bonus shout out to the Washington offense who made some great efforts to score quickly and keep USC's offense on the field. Have you ever seen a game when the defense wears out the opposing offense? I get it doesn't work when the offense is rotating multiple running backs, but why don't more teams try this versus uh, one-man scrambling quarterback teams? Does USC bounce back after this, or will Arizona rep the South 
in the Pac-12 championship game. Mm. Well, Dave, no, first, no South. No yeah, South there's no South. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's rationalization uh, for UW's defensive effort uh, to an extent. Um, but is it effective against Caleb Williams to just make him tired? Like make him have to scramble a ton and make him tired? I don't know. This year, it seems more effective than it did last year. Last year, he was uh, an absolute freak show scrambling around and making throws downfield. This year, he's been a little bit more human, um, and he's not quite displayed the same level of freakish downfield accuracy when he's scrambling, Uh, but it's still not a great bet. Um, So I don't know. What do you think? I think this... Reminds me of a, if I'm not mistaken, an old Simpsons episode where Homer's boxing mm. and Mo is his trainer. He used to be like a boxer himself. And I think Homer's superpower was he could take punches. Right. So it was just basically, I think it was, it might've been fighting like Dredrick Tatum or some, some big fighter and was just basically going to take punches until he wore the other guy out. If I, I, maybe I'm mixing up shows, but I believe that was the case. I don't think that's a sound strategy. I didn't realize that they rotated in 20 guys, but they gave up a lot of points. Now, they didn't give up points in the, the fourth quarter, but I think that's more of a USC thing than a Washington thing. But, yeah, I think, you know, it, I don't think the strategy is to give up a whole bunch of points and then hopefully that they get tired at the end. It, it doesn't seem like a sound strategy. No. All right, we got a voicemail from Perk. I'm not going to play it, but um, it seems like what he's asking is uh, he first has some good trolling about Alex Grinch up top. I'm, fr- I'm sorry, I can't play it. Um, but uh, basically, that it was a horrible mistake. Got to let him get his guys in there. And then um, he asked the question, which I don't even have a good answer to, which is uh, there's this theory that defensive coordinators are always going to struggle when they're paired with an air raid system. And first on its face, it doesn't make sense because Grinch paired with a true air raid at Washington State actually had his best years as a coach. Is there something unique about Lincoln Riley uh, and his offensive system? And, you know, I that makes it difficult for a defensive coordinator to succeed. Is it something with the way he, you know, practices? Is it something with um, the looks that a defense sees in practice that make it difficult to prepare for other programs? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's more about coaching the coaches than a system because um, you are practicing against it, but you have to, you know, if it's funny, our, our columnist Dan Weber kind of pointed this out from USC. Uh, their last four head coaches have all been quarterbacks. And if you play football and you're a quarterback, you wear a different color jersey than everybody else. You don't get hit. Is that sort of the mentality of this is the way we practice? There's not hitting. Um, you know, I'm sure there's guys that were quarterbacks that have super physical practices. And I we don't really get to watch Lincoln Riley. So I can't tell you if they play pad and cake or if they're just if they're tackling the ground on full pads days. I don't know. I mean, we can't say. I mean, what they could tell us, but we are not allowed to watch. Dan Lanning apparently talked some good shit this week. Apparently he did, yeah. Yeah, it was um, like seven on seven and stuff. And, yeah, they're doing seven on seven. Meanwhile, we're doing whatever their name is for their full contact tackling drill. Yeah, so I think sweet. it's more. I think it's less about like air raid because I, I Lincoln Riley's way less air raid than what Mike Leach was running. But there's you know similar concepts or whatever. I think it's more just about how you practice and if you allow a defensive coordinator to do what they want to do as opposed to catering towards the offense in practice. 
That would be my guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, this is, let's see, Scott. Gentlemen, I can't believe the last Pac-12 season is finally winding down. As a Kook fan, all I can think of is, thank God. Way back in week five, during the bye week, I asked a question that would uh, that I'd like to revisit. Uh, we love when you revisit things we don't remember, but I do kind of remember this one. I brought up that your preseason predictions had Wazoo going 5-7. and seven. At the time, we were 4-0 and and ranked 13th. So I asked, quote, could you share who Wazoo's final win would be? You must have thought I was joking as you both laughed and talk about Wazoo getting nine or ten wins this year. Now I beg you, please, for the love of God, tell me when <laughs> we get that last win. Since Wazoo doesn't appear to have a home for the foreseeable future, I, be- I believe I'm in the market for a new team to be disappointed by, and I'm hoping for your assistance. At first, I thought Utah, and then I remembered the fan base. I thought maybe Iowa, but then... <laughs> But they made the mistake of getting rid of Brian Ferentz. Uh, perhaps the L.A. schools, surely they like to play offense and defense, right? There's too many options, so I leave it up to you. Please find me a new football home if it's not too much trouble. Lastly, I'd like to throw my hat in the ring for the Pac-12 slash Pac-2 slash Mountain West correspondent. It will be mediocre coverage, but you won't have to pay attention to the Mountain West. Keep up the great work and go Cougs, fight on, and go Bruins. Wow. Oh. Uh, Washington State's last win. Um, can I go out on a limb? Yeah. Washington State's last win is Oregon State on September 23rd. I think they're losing out. Wow. I think they're going to lose to Cal. I think they're going to struggle with Colorado at home because what's different about Colorado and Stanford, really? Uh, and then they're going to get smoked by Washington on the road. Yeah. It's tough. Um, I've never seen a team collapse like this. If you had like over like four and a half wins, you felt pretty good before. Yeah, <laughs> this is a pretty it's, bad collapse. It's super bad. I don't. I, I've never seen anything really like it. It's. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Washington State fans. Okay, we have a suggestion. Like, do you want to go Arizona? Arizona might be a good one for which team to follow going forward. Yeah, he wants. Yeah, I pick him. Arizona. Arizona, I think, is is in fun shape. Um, I think uh, Jed Fish has it rolling a little bit now, and uh, they've got a young quarterback who's fun to watch. They've got another year of McMillan. Um, I, that's that's going to be a fun team going forward. And in, in show business, we call this a great segue. We're going to recommend you uh, following Arizona, and then you're going to read this email and go, "Ooh!" But go ahead. Here you go. All right. Help me, I'm poor. This is from Bobby. Hi, Doug and Porkchop. As you can see below, it appears like UA may have outkicked. Uh, it appears like uh, UA have outkicked their coverage. Apparently, uh, Arizona is going to have to consider uh, cutting sports because of some major uh, financial issues. I read the the article. He puts a link in there. Um, yeah, so they have. They're supposed to have at least like 120 days of cash on hand, and they're like in the like 90 something days. It's bad. Like a lot of your your boy, Robin Roberts or whatever. Yeah, the uh, president. Yes, they bought like some online university that was they had to give like seventy two million back because they basically was like, oh yeah, you're not going to get educated and it's not going to go as fast as you thought it was. But th- that's the university they bought. So I guess there's a lot of problems that they've had. Not and great. they could potentially cut sports. Uh, not not they don't they haven't said who, which ones, but. You can't be football or basketball. Um, and then 
it can't really cut women's sports because of Title IX. So basically, like the men's non-revenue sports are probably on the chopping block from what the article was saying. Right. Um, so maybe they shouldn't have bought a crappy fraudulent online school and faced $22 million in fines and $72 million in canceled student loans to be recouped by the U.S. government. Oh, but don't worry. It's not because of that. It's because they gave out too many scholarships and did too much research. Sure, Robbins. The funny thing about this is Robbins reflecting on the fact that he thought going to the Big 12 would fix this issue. Brother, you have 97 days of cash left. Getting an extra $10 million a year from the Big 12 is not going to save your ass from getting fired for financial malfeasance and ineptitude. Meanwhile, ASU and NAU are building medical schools and don't have budgeting issues. Funny that. P.S. I tried leaving you guys a voicemail when I was at the Chichen Itza because I thought it was the most appropriate thing for me to do at one of the new wonders of the world, but apparently it didn't go through. Just wanted to let you know my thoughts were with you in Yucatan. Thanks, Bobby. Nice. Thank you, Bobby, uh, for that. Yeah, I didn't know about that whole... I didn't realize they were in, like, financial trouble, but... No, and that sounds uh, absolutely dire, so... Like fireable, like fire the president over. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, he should have been fired a long time ago, but yeah, let's let's call it. Um, yeah, but I, I think it was Ashford University. I forget what it was. I read one of the things, but yeah, it was bad. Yeah, um, it's not good. We this is a voicemail from Eric. So I I listened to this earlier. Um, he was on his drive from Reno to Denver, um, and was listening to the episode. So he wants us to talk about. A piano needed to fall on Deion Sanders' head for the Colorado Oregon State game because uh, it was seven to three, and Colorado had the ball like deep in their own territory, and there was like forty seconds left, and uh, Oregon State had two timeouts. So run the ball three times, you get the ball after halftime, and move on. Was his point? And what happened was they threw two incomplete passes, then they ran the ball on third down. Oregon State called timeout, scored, you know, gets the get good field position on the punt, scored a touchdown, and now it's 14 to 3. So he was uh very upset. You know, it's like just awful clock management. Um, he's like, you know, he he likes Sean Lewis as a coordinator, but Pat Shermer should be fired. He said he should be fired directly into the sun. So anyway, <laughs> he wanted that to be pointed out that there was another piano falling. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, we didn't we didn't uh, hammer that at all in the uh, in the recap show. Uh, we got a text message from somebody. Uh, hey guys, which coach had their job too long in the Pac-12? Here are a list of a few I can think of. If you can, which one of the coaches do you think set the program back the most? All right. So in order, he says Alex Grinch, Clay Helton, Herm Edwards, Jerry Azanero, David Shaw, Justin Wilcox, and Chip Kelly all came to mind. Okay. So not Chip Kelly, obviously. <sighs> so I'm going to go a little outside the box. I think it's David Shaw. Uh, and Ooh. the reason is looking at the rebuild that Troy Taylor has ahead of him, um, given Stanford's kind of issues, um, that's going to take forever. It's going to take such an insane amount of time. Like ASU, you could see being pretty decent next year. Like that's a year. Clay Helton, I mean, Lincoln Riley went, what, 11 and three last year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alex Grinch can't, like, that's not it. For me, it's, it's, it's one of, I mean, okay. So as a narrow, I'm never going to pick a coordinator for this because it's what it is. Uh, it's Shaw, Wilcox, or Kelly. Uh, really, and I always think UCLA is only like a recruiting class or two away from being like pretty decent again. So I'm going to take Chip Kelly out. 
it really comes down to Shaw or Wilcox for me. And I'm going to go with Shaw because Cal hasn't had, like if David Shaw had been fired after his first like rough season, I think that was like 2018 or 2019, um, maybe Stanford still sustains a little bit. But now they're in like rip it down to the studs and, and build it back up again territory, which is going to be hard there. Yeah, and I think the situations are different where you can recruit at a higher level, like at the L.A. schools, so you can bounce back off the, the floor a little faster. But I think they let David Shaw they, – they, that train just was crashing for so long. It just – they let it go on way too long. To have a 3-9 and nine season and not even make a single assistant coaching change – you just let that thing go on way, way too long. So yeah, I think I think Shaw's probably the right answer. I mean, but he had a lot of success early, like where Clay Helton had like some a little success, I guess, but and they just kept letting that go on for way too long too. But USC bounced back quickly. I think you know, Stanford is harder too, and then you let it not only that, but you let it go during a time of change in college football that Stanford's not really embracing. So it's going to make it even harder of a, so some of it's the environment too. Um, but yeah, I think Shaw's the right, like Wilcox just was sort of like, I don't know. Cal's always had like problems. Yeah. But, but Harbaugh brought, you know, brought new relevance to Stanford. Shaw continued it. And then it just deteriorated and you weren't willing to realize that you were, the ship is sinking and, you're now at the bottom of the ocean, like, you know, and the band is playing. So yeah, I, I think Shaw is probably the right answer. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for us. Uh, do you want to check into the YouTube comments and see if anybody had any good questions? Oh, do we have any good ones? Yeah. Check in the YouTube comments. Oh. Uh, no super chats. Oh, that's disappointing. Bummer. Yeah. It is a, it is a bummer where we don't do the live stuff. Um, we could have potentially, I think we could, like we, I guess it wouldn't be live, but we could have like recorded our streamyard or something. Yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, I can send this to YouTube. I just haven't done it before, and I didn't want to figure out how this morning. Um, so, yeah. I mean, in the future, we can do a little bit more pre-planning and try to do these live as well. Um, but also, Next I was, year, I was I mean, anticipating getting interrupted by my children at some point, and they didn't do it. So that's good. Well, you left a bowl of food for them, right? Like I True. said. True. Yeah. Perfect. Just. Not even a bowl of food. I just threw some meat on the ground um, oh. and let them fight the dogs for it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, survival of the fittest. We'll see. So they're gnawing on bones. We'll, we'll out there. see. We'll see how many are alive when I get out there. It's a Lord of the Flies situation. Yeah, or basically, basically, <laughs> uh, King of the Hill. Um, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up, doesn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that's our show. Um, hope you guys have a really fun weekend of Pac-12 football. And uh, if you're up in the Pacific Northwest, we're going to have a little meetup at uh, Ten Barrel Brewery in Portland. So say that ten times fast. Ten Barrel Brewery, like no, I'm not going to say it more than once. Um, yeah, it is a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Ten Barrel Brewery. Ten yeah. Barrel Brewery. Ten Barrel Brewery. Ten Barrel Brewery. Ten Barrel Brewery. It's one of those uh, phrases that makes you feel like your mouth is in peanut butter. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to do a little trip to the Nike store too. Got an invite for that. So that could be kind of fun. Have you ever done that? Oh, uh, yeah. I did it when I was up there for the opening one year. 
yeah, we did. We we would get invites for the opening, so um, that's always fun. Buy some cool shit. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it is a little rainy, like fifty degrees. It's it's a lot colder than I thought it was gonna be, but you know, survive. Soft. So I'm definitely soft. Southern California, man. Uh, okay, well, that's gonna wrap it up uh, for David David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.